today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. God uses His Word and it doesn't return void. So use His Word. Use it like a sword. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Now the word that's used there when it talks about that in the New Testament, sometimes it refers to the Bible as like this big, you know, gladiator sword. But sometimes the word that is used is a word actually for like a small dagger. Right? So you can get engaged in a conversation with someone where the, well, this is what I think, this is what I think, am I feeling about it? Oh, oh, really? Well, you know, the Word of God says. Did you know that the Bible is often referred to as the sword of truth? I don't know about you, but it sure seems like the world could use some truth. Every day, objective truth is being traded for opinions and feelings. But you don't have to be confused because God has revealed the truth in His Word. In today's message, Pastor Dan will teach you how to rely on God's Word for truth in a culture that has lost sight of it. The world is depending on you to cut through the lies with the sword of truth. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Matthew chapter 12 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Jewish communities and cities, what they do is they place a thin cable around the perimeter of the entire city. And they say that now everything inside this cable is part of my house and part of my property. It's called an eruv in Hebrew. And they claim everything within that cable as part of their home, and that way they can freely travel throughout the whole city on the Sabbath day. You may not know it, but Baltimore City has one of these cables around it. Washington, D.C. has a cable around it that incorporates all of downtown Washington, D.C. So that now they're free to just travel within the city because all of this is part of my home. There is on, uh, on Thursdays, Uh, They update, they actually, the rabbis will travel around the city and check the cable to make sure it doesn't have any breaks in it. And there's a hotline you can call on Thursdays that'll just say the roof is up, meaning it's still, it's still up and you're free to travel on the Sabbath day. And Jewish people in the community donate money for the maintenance of this cable around the city. The cable that goes around Manhattan, get this, it costs $150,000 dollars to $180,000 a year to maintain that cable. I don't know. I thought that was interesting, you know. <laughs> but so they've got these little workaround things. So that, you know, well, they, I want to observe these rules, but I also want to live my life kind of thing. And so they create all of these workarounds. Now, back to our story here in Matthew chapter 12. For the Pharisees... For the Pharisees, when the disciples plucked grain, that was considered reaping. Luke's gospel tells us they rubbed the grain in their hands to separate the wheat from the chaff. The Pharisees considered that threshing. When they blew the chaff away from their hands, the Pharisees considered that winnowing. 
And they were also guilty of preparing a meal on the Sabbath. Again, we're talking about their man-made rules. We're not talking about Bible here. And so in verse 3, Jesus responds to their accusation. He says in verse 3, Have you not read what David said when he was hungry? Or what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him. How he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Now notice in verse 3, Jesus said, Have you not read? Now, this was something that Pharisees said to people when they were correcting them or instructing them. Remember, they're the experts on the law. They're the instructors. They're the teachers. And Jesus used their own phrase on them. Have you not read? I'm sure somebody in the audience said, oh, no, he didn't. He did not just say that (laughs) to the Pharisees. Jesus brought up this occasion from the life of David in 1 Samuel 21. Now, David, as you probably know, was the greatest king in Israel's history. He's the psalmist of Israel. He's the giant killer. He's the war hero. He's the man after God's own heart. And Jesus brings up this occasion when David was on the run from King Saul, and it was on the Sabbath, and David was hungry, and he went to the tabernacle, and he asked for something to eat, and all they had was the showbread from the tabernacle, which was consecrated bread. It was holy bread that the priests were commanded to eat on the Sabbath day, and only the priests, but the priest gave the bread to David and his men. Showing that human need is more important than keeping the letter of the law. Human necessity. King David broke the rules of the Pharisees. But the Pharisees never condemned King David for eating the showbread. If David could break these rules, then certainly the son of David could break these rules. Next, Jesus says in verse 5, Or have you not read, he uses that phrase again, in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests and the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless. Yet I say to you that in this place, there is one greater than the temple. Now, one thing you should note here is that Jesus uses the word of God to make his argument. He didn't give his opinion. He didn't say, well, this is what I think about it. He didn't say, these are my feelings about it. No, he said, this is what the Bible says. This is what the word of God says. Have you not read? Jesus used the Bible and he used it authoritatively. And listen, give me your attention, please. So should you. So should we. Use the Bible when you're speaking to people. And use it authoritatively. No, this is what the Bible says. Don't give your opinion about a matter. Don't don't give what you think or your feelings on it. This is what the Bible says. Even if you're speaking with someone who has a different faith. Or you're speaking with someone who doesn't believe in the authority of the Bible as God's word. So what? The word of God is alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. God uses his word and it doesn't return void. So use his word. Use it like a sword. 
It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Now, the word that's used there when it talks about that in the New Testament, sometimes it refers to the Bible as like this big, you know, gladiator sword. But sometimes the word that is used is a word actually for like a small dagger. Right? So you can get engaged in a conversation with someone where, the, well, this is what I think. This is what I think. Am I feeling about Oh, Oh, really? Well, you know, the word of God says. You know, that reminds me, the Bible says. Right? Use the word of God when you speak to people. And what he brings up here is that the fact that in the law, there were offerings that the priests made every day. But on the Sabbath day, the law of God required double the amount of offerings. So the priests that were working in the temple on the Sabbath day, they actually had double the work to do. Their workload increased. It doubled. It was not a day of rest for the priests. It was the busiest day of the week. For the priests. So what Jesus is showing here is that the law of the Sabbath didn't apply to everyone the same way in every situation. That there were exceptions to this law. And then look at verse 6 again. He says, yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. The only thing greater than God's house is God. And so Jesus is very clearly declaring his deity here. He is proclaiming that he is God. He is God incarnate. He's God dwelling in human flesh. And he is letting them know very plainly that that is who he is. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless for the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath, he quotes from Hosea chapter 6, verse 6 here. God desires mercy and not sacrifice. In our Thursday night study, we just went through Micah chapter 6, verse 8, where it says God requires us to love mercy. To love mercy, right? God has been so merciful to us. He withheld his judgment from us. Instead, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross in our place as our substitute for our sins. He has shown us great mercy and God commands us to love mercy, love to show mercy to others. Legalism has no mercy. Legalism has no mercy for people. For legalistic people, it is all about keeping the rules without exception. I want to show you a kind of a kind of a funny illustration of this. I think it's funny. If you turn over to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 10. Now, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Luke chapter 13, verse 10. Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity. So she has an infirmity that is actually caused by a demon here. She's had it for 18 years. And she was bent over and could in no way rise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Amazing healing here, right? And right in the middle of their church service. Incredible, right? And she's glorifying God. Now watch what the ruler of the synagogue says, verse 14. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them. 
and not on the Sabbath day. Dude, you just missed it, didn't you? I mean, come on. He just it worked a miracle. Ah, there's six days. You're not allowed to do any work on the Sabbath. That's a legalistic person. There's no mercy. There's, no mer- there's usually no joy either with a legalistic person. It's all about, these are the rules I think you should be following because I follow them. Right? These are the rules I'm living by. You should live by these rules too. And if you're not, well then there's something wrong with you. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. Now turn with me back to Matthew chapter 12. Look at what he says at the end of verse 7. Jesus says of his disciples, they are guiltless. Now again, the Pharisees, they're the religious leaders. They're the experts. They're the enforcers of the law and the interpreter of the law. Jesus was just a carpenter. Or so they thought. And Jesus said to the Pharisees, you're wrong. My disciples are guiltless. They didn't break God's law. And your man-made rules don't matter. They've done nothing wrong. And then he said, for the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Now question, remember back to, to Genesis chapter 2, Exodus chapter 20, who instituted the Sabbath? God. God instituted the Sabbath. So who is Lord over the Sabbath? God. Here Jesus says, he is Lord over the Sabbath. Again, he is making a straightforward claim of deity. He's saying, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I created it since it's my thing. I get to decide what is permitted on the Sabbath. And I say my disciples are guiltless. So now we have another confrontation in verse 9 over the Sabbath. This one's in a synagogue, probably in Capernaum. Now when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogue. Luke's account tells us he was teaching in the synagogue. And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him. Now, Luke's gospel tells us it was his right hand, which is important because in that culture, you used your right hand to do everything. You never used your left hand except for unclean things. And so his right hand is withered. He can't use his right hand anymore. So he can't be in social settings. He can't be, you know, go to someone's house to eat dinner with them because he can't use his right hand to, to pick up his food. And so this really is a, is a big deal for this. Not just that he can't work now, it's that he can't do anything socially either. So it's his right hand. And they ask him this question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Now, Luke's gospel also tells us this was the scribes and the Pharisees. And it says that they were watching Jesus closely 
whether he would heal on the Sabbath that they might find an accusation against him. They have no compassion for this man. No mercy. Right? Legalistic people have no mercy. They're just trying to catch you and breaking the rules. It's interesting that the Pharisees and the scribes knew that Jesus would be in the synagogue that day. You know, he would go to church. They weren't concerned that he might skip church. And they also knew that Jesus was merciful and compassionate and that Jesus would not pass up the opportunity to minister to this man. And let me just say to you, listen, if you're here today and you have some kind of need, of whether that's a physical need or an emotional need or a spiritual need, Jesus sees you. And Jesus wants to minister to you today. And so Mark's account also tells us that, that Jesus looked around the synagogue with anger. He was grieved by the hardness of their hearts. And then he said to them, what man is there among you who has one sheep? And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out of how much more value then is a man than a sheep. Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Mark's gospel tells us that when Jesus said this, the crowd was silent. They just sat there silently as Jesus rebukes them. And that every person there would get their sheep out of the ditch on the Sabbath day. But they weren't willing to get a human being out of a ditch. Who's got this injury. A person who is created in the image of God. Who's sitting in their synagogue. Who's sitting in their church service. They're not going to help that guy. They cared more about animals than human beings. And hey, we live in a culture where some people care more about animals than human beings. We live in a culture where we have laws against killing an unborn animal, but not killing an unborn human being who is made in the image of God. That is a sign that our culture is upside down. Jesus says here, and the Bible teaches that people are more valuable than animals because people are made in the image of God. And Jesus Christ died on the cross for people. So then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and it was restored as whole as the other. And then look at verse 14. The Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. Right? The religious leaders now, they've rejected Jesus Christ at this point. They're plotting to kill him. Two reasons primarily why they want to kill him. Number one, because Jesus opposed their teachings, their man-made rules. That's one of the lesser reasons why they wanted to kill him. The main reason they wanted to kill Jesus is because of his claims of deity. Because he's claiming to be God. And so now they're plotting to kill him. So now the, like, the story is starting to shift here. Where they're no longer wondering, is this guy the Messiah that we've been waiting for? He's saying things, he's doing things that the Messiah would do. Now they've shifted. Now they're plotting how they might destroy him. And so Jesus knew it and he withdrew from there and great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. All of them, not most of them, all of them. And so here you have a guy who was plainly claiming to be God and then backing up his claim with all of these healings, healing every person that's brought to him. And they're plotting to kill him. 
Yet he warned them not to make him known that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold, my servant, this is from Isaiah 42, whom I have chosen, my beloved, and whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. Note that, that it says he's going to declare justice to the Gentiles. Down in verse 21, it says, in his name, the Gentiles will trust. If you remember back in chapter 10, Jesus sent his disciples out to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. They've gone to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus has gone to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But the lost sheep of the house of Israel have rejected him. They're now plotting to kill him. And so now we see that his ministry is going to shift to the Gentiles or the non-Jews. He's going to declare justice to the Gentiles in his name. The Gentiles will trust. And so we see here kind of this hint that the gospel is going to go to the Gentile world primarily. Which it has. Romans 11 verse 25 says that blindness in part has happened to the Jews until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. The focus right now of the ministry of Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit is in Gentiles, non-Jews primarily. And that work will continue until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. And then God will shift back his focus to the Jewish people. And that's going to be during the tribulation period. And so now, at this point now, it's almost like the calendar with the Jewish people. God is hitting pause on it because they've rejected him. And the focus is going to be on the Gentiles. Then once he's finished with the Gentiles and the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, then he's going to hit play again with the Jews. And he's going to refocus back on the Jews. Verse 19, he will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. He's not going to be out in the streets shouting or marching. They've rejected him. They've rejected him. He's not going to try to force them to believe. But look what it says in verse 20, and I I promise we're almost finished here. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoking flax, that's a candle that is burning out, he will not quench. Speaks of the gentleness of his ministry. Speaks of his mercy. A bruised reed, he's not going to just break it off. Well, it's bruised. Might as well just break it. A smoking flax, he will not quench. Well, the fire is almost burnt out. You might as well just put it out the rest of the way. What's the point? No, here with Jesus, a bruised reed, he doesn't break. A smoking flax, he doesn't quench. If you're here today and you're bruised, you're beat up by something. You come in today and you're just battered. Well, come to Jesus. A bruised reed, he doesn't break. Other people might break you. Other people might say, what's the point? Not Jesus. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring sure than the finest crystal. You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Matthew, and he has more to share with you next time. How is what you're hearing from this book landing in your heart? If there's anything that's prompting you to seek out more questions or to ask for prayer in any way, would you be willing to give us a call and talk to us? 
Our desire is to hear your heart, pray with you, and ask for God to help you with whatever you might be wondering or thinking about. Our number is 410-491-4592. The number again is 410-491-4592. You can also send us an email through our website, calvaryec.com. Just find our info under the About tab. If you're not connected with a local church, we encourage you to find a church family that will help guide and support you in your faith. And if you're in the area, please join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. For more details, visit calvaryec.com. In our next edition, you'll have the opportunity to learn additional things from this first book of the New Testament. Pastor Dan has more to teach on for Matthew, and we're excited for you to join us as we continue growing. There's so much to appreciate by reading God's Word. We hope you'll tune in next time and be a part of our listening audience right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack.